The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411-321. That's COMPEL to 411-321. And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to 1-909. 741-1321. Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Welcome to the Influencer's Edge. This is the place where you come to get the latest breakthroughs, cutting-edge insights, tools, and techniques to leapfrog over the pack in sales, persuasion, and influence. Be sure you visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now sit back, tune in, and enjoy today's episode. All right, welcome back to The Influencers Edge. In our little green room conversation, I was talking with today's guest, And I said, let's get ready to fry the audience's brain. This is going to be one of those episodes where you're going to want to watch, listen, maybe even get it transcribed because my guest is the renegade bad boy of hypnosis, Jonathan Royal. We've known of each other. I don't know if we had the pleasure of meeting when I was in London or not. We didn't. Sadly, we didn't manage to connect in person, but we did speak briefly before then um, when... Obviously, uh, as Ross Jeffries, um, I did a bit of an interview with you that's on my Celebrity Hypnotist YouTube channel before you came over to London, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's an open secret that my other identity is Ross Jeffries, where I caught, still, if you pay me tons of money, teach guys to get laid. I don't care who turns off the channel because, fuck you, this is my channel. So, Jonathan, I'm going to skip through most of your biography, blah, blah, how you're born, Mm -hmm. Um, you're an international celebrity hypnotherapist and master trainer of NLP hypnosis and mind control. Mind control? How dare you? Most people don't control their minds. So how do you how do you define mind control, Jonathan? Well, in the context that it's on the uh, website, it's pure and simple. Where most people in the hypno industry, especially hypnotherapists, God help us say that you cannot make people say or do things that would contradict their morals or the values. I scream bullshit on that. It's completely not a, are you saying that the CIA wasted a fortune on MK Ultra experiments with Joseph Mengel and trauma-based mind control to discover exactly how to get people to do things, including committing murder? Um, you, you know, and, and behind the scenes, some stuff that's in, um, products I've got out there has been bought by television production companies such as Objective Television Productions in England, who made all of Darren Brown's television shows, including one called The Assassin, where they, well, in there they did various things like getting someone to stay in a bath of ice longer and stuff. Well, that's taught. They got that from my training materials and um, then that was modelled, NLP taught for copied, by an American TV station, um, Discovery. Yeah, I think it was Discovery, or it was yeah. some production company for Discovery that got Tom Silver to uh, front 
a version called Hypnotized to Kill. And the things is, whilst they use some theatrical license, all of those things are totally possible. They're happening every governments do this, it's for real. So the difference is, I mean, mind control in the sense of manipulating people's emotions and thought patterns. I know, terrible. Manipulate? <laughs> yeah. How dare you? <laughs> But it's about the intent, isn't it? You know, governments do it to us and politicians and the media with negative intent of controlling uh, people to think their way or do what they want. Whereas we can also use it with completely positive intent to help people in their lives as therapists do to, you know, take control of their emotions and overcome habits, addictions, fears, phobias or whatever. Or it can be used in a positive sense with positive intent ideally although if you want to i suppose you could use the darker elements of it within marketing advertising publicity and promotion as well to persuade influence and control um and nudge people into spending more than perhaps they were going to do or buying something that perhaps they wouldn't previously have done without certain techniques and such like being Is used that upon really them a bad thing though let's let's back up just one second Mm -hmm. Is it really a bad thing for people to buy something that they perceived that they couldn't afford? Because I just want to give you my perspective to me. Oh, that I agree, Paul. Yeah. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. I was talking specifically get, that you could get people to buy things they neither want or need. Okay, got it. Uh, and make them think that they wanted and needed it. And to me, that's borderline, well, yeah, yes. that leaves a, a nasty taste in the mouth. But yeah, if it's something that's going to benefit them, have real value, then I think, yeah, you're probably doing them a massive favour to use every single strategy and manipulation and persuasion technique to help them save time rather than them going away thinking about it and putting it off for ages and then coming... You can get them to make that decision there and then, but it's better for your bank balance, obviously, but it's also better for them because they're not wasting the next however many hours, days, weeks, months, or whatever years of their life that they could be benefiting from that service, product, or whatever it is that you're providing to them. Now, one of the questions that I was discussing uh, with uh, a friend about the fact that you were going to be on the show and she asked me to ask you, and this is not a quotes pattern from the <laughs> can you hypnotize someone to do something? And, and we talk, uh, it's a slightly different question. Can you hypnotize someone to do something against their will? If they really have a very strong will that says, I don't do that. I'm, could you get a Gan Gandhi, for example, to murder <laughs> someone? If you're sufficiently skilled, knowledgeable, experienced and talented and focused on achieving such, then yeah, any, anything's possible. Because you, all you have to do is be flexible and adaptable enough to find a way of making what, if a general person just said it to them, you know, this person's going to come along and make you do X, Y, Z, they might consciously go, not an fucking chance that goes against everything i stand for well yeah that's probably the case with most people if you wanted them to murder somebody for example but there's always a key there's always a way 
there's always a trigger. There's always something that can make that individual do that, which they would currently swear blind on their life they wouldn't do. It's just that they're probably not even consciously aware of what their snapping point or trigger point is. And in the context of the question you asked, the job would be to create a scenario where to them, they came to believe it was within their moral code and values to do X, Y, and Z. As Delavar, who taught me, who's no longer with us, um, who one of the only people I know whose parents and then grandparents and great-grandparents were hypnotists and mesmerists, going back to when it was called suggestive therapy, several generations. Going and back he, a long time. Yeah, going back a long way. He taught me, he said, look, you couldn't perhaps hypnotize somebody for the first time ever and just say in a few moments when I awaken you, um, you're going to be walking down the street when the phone rings and you hear a key word or something, you're going to reach in your pocket and discover a gun and shoot somebody. You couldn't do that in just one time of meeting somebody. Right. He said, however, well, he said maybe you could, would meet someone who was suggestible, but generally speaking, probably not. Over a number of um, conditions and repetitions, more likely, he said, but far easier and possible in one session, hypnotize that same person, make them believe they've now regressed back in age to maybe being six years old and they're playing cowboys and Indians. Got it. And describe to them what the big chief bad Indian that they need to... Um, win the fight against to win the right. game looks by the like, way in america we now say first nations or <laughs> we don't say okay <laughs> first nations sorry it's, that's politically i think it's incorrect, bullshit i think it's bullshit no, i agree but you know i, th I think native american indians will pref probably i'm probably wrong saying this but my instinct is that probably as long as the fact that they had land stolen off them is talked about they'd be yeah. happy if they're called native american yeah. indians i understand um, so yeah, you, you tell, make them think they're eight years old, and the the, the playing cowboys and Indians, and the, the, the gun that they'll find is a cap gun, and that they need to go bang, bang, bang with the cap gun until it's run out of caps to make sure they win the game against the big chief Indian. So now that isn't against their moral code. That's no. something a six-year-old would love doing, and yet the end result would be that they murder somebody. You know. I bring up this question because one of my mentors who shall go un, unmentioned, not an ethical person, but it, one of the greatest geniuses at NLP who I've ever met, uh, not Richard Bandler, who's been on the show. Great, I think Richard's a great guy. It's somebody else. I said, blank, I'm going to mention his name. Mm -hmm. Could you hypnotize someone or influence someone to do something against their will? His answer was no, but most people don't have a will. If you will... If by will, you mean a strong focus that is unwavering. Most people don't have that. Most people have little... That's true as well. That's true as well. Contradictory desires, little butterflies of wants that flip through their mind, but they never focus. And if you look at hypnosis or trance as a process of getting the person to now focus in on what is being said by Jonathan and I. <laughs> Let's talk, let me go through a little bit more of your biography because you got a lot of stuff here going on. Um, you have shipped millions and millions of his courses, books, and products to all corners of the world. 
he you're the presenter of the 2019 mind control expose documentary extreme danger self-hypnosis and you have a self-help book called shit gnosis <laughs> let me see that now shit gnosis helping you get over the shit in your life and get your shit together incorporating the fuck that system fully unconscious conditioning knowledge therapy honoring absolute transformation shit gnosis incorporating the fuck system incorporating the fuck that system and yeah it's, it's for people who are currently emotionally constipated to provide them with them positive mind laxative to get over those blockages in life to overcome the habits addictions <laughs> fears and phobias and whatnot and um yeah there's there's is, basically techniques galore. is this available in america on amazon it's available everywhere amazon.com.co.uk anywhere in the world amazon and all major book retailers have had this in for a few you weeks you know what now. i'm gonna do jonathan i'm gonna go to a coffee place or someplace like that and read the book like this <laughs> so people come up well, and go that's another excellent book everyone by the way well you're on amazon ordering shit notice if you've not already got it shame on you get a copy of that supple words that sell by mr paul ross himself <laughs> look at us plugging each other i love it i knew this is but um and you also have a book um called shocks uh, or is it a book shock selling techniques because our audience is primarily entrepreneurs but more and more people are interested in mind control in general talk about shock selling what is shock yeah. selling yeah i mean i've got um a video video training set well there's two one called the millionaire plan and one called passive hypnosis profits and it's all about how um i'm 47 now 48 this year how i was basically wow. able to i know but I, I had a hard paper round. that's why the bag's under under the eyes but i was fortunate enough to be able to sort of semi-retire by the time i was 30 because by that point because i was we lived in a different world. I was around doing this before the internet, as indeed you were. And in England, while you were appearing on TV shows in America, which I didn't know about because we didn't have the internet, I was doing the same here in England, which you wouldn't have known about because we didn't have the internet. And in the early 90s, early mid 90s, I did loads of TV shows and I did, I did, I did all right. So I was semi-retired by the time I was 30 because by then I'd built up enough products and stuff that are now moving forward to today available as digital downloads but there used to be vhs tapes and printed manuals ring binders and stuff that were sent through the post the way the world has changed same content just different delivery format and those are now on sale and uh, and just bring in all these passive income streams and those video sets teach how how i did that and one of the key components to standing out in a crowded, busy marketplace is to be different, as you well know, because um, you created a marketplace, or rather, um, Ross Jeffries did, uh, created a marketplace back in the uh, very late 80s. I created some, oh, more than that, I created a culture. <laughs> How many well, people? yeah, exactly. I mean, people have only got to look at the game uh book to learn about the culture and sub society and all, all those elements of things that came as an offshoot of you creating this niche a new way of looking at things because it wasn't new there were books on the market about using psychological techniques when you came along and there were books that touched on using even so-called nlp hypnosis techniques but they didn't do it with as much detail as much specific 
um, branding and as much bluntness and controversy as you did. And that's what Thank set you. it all off and set you but apart. Enough about me. Let's talk about what you think well, about. I did. <laughs> I, I, I did much the same in England, which is I, I before the Internet. So at that time, I wasn't aware. I blatantly went out and my first big controversy, as it were, was to in late 1993 to I, uh, the Sun newspaper, which was the biggest daily red paper in England at the time, ran an article, Dirty Trance in Weeks Balls, evil comedy stage hypnotist who makes women believe he's their favourite film star to get them into bed. And this caused a really? right shit storm. We're channeling the same. <laughs> Let's talk about this. You mentioned stage hypnosis. Mm -hmm. And well, first of all, let's back up. We'll put a pin in that. How would an entrepreneur or a business owner or a salesperson who's who's looking to make money using, con I don't want to say controversial, but non-conventional techniques, use shock selling in an everyday sales conversation? Well, um in a conversation, that's probably a little bit different and takes a bit more thought. But easy examples, uh, let's, right, if you were still doing direct mail, and I say still do it, if you're still doing direct mail, and some people will go, what do you mean? That's outdated. We do everything via email now. Let me tell you, with no word of a lie, I was speaking at an internet marketing conference about close to 10 years ago now, when I stood up in that room and I said to everyone, I said that within the next 10 years maximum, but probably sooner, you're going to find that people, you will not sell as much stuff if you're only uh, delivering it through digital downloads or streaming online. People are going to miss having something physical or tangible in, <laughs> delivered to them through the door. It's like Christmas having something to open and it creates that sense of excitement inside. I said, so I'm not saying start delivering everything physically again, but tell them that if, you know, make it part of the attractive buy today instead of putting it off. When you buy today, we're also going to deliver direct to your door this physical book or this physical gift or something as well to add cream and cherry to the top of the cake. Um, now, if you are going to send stuff through the post, which will be quite unexpected to people these days because they're kind of used to getting bombarded with emails. So that's going to make you stand out straight away now because very few people are doing the direct mail. But don't just send a letter in an envelope. Use garish coloured paper. Use different type fonts so it looks almost arguably like a five-year-old of mine. Go against everything any graphic designer ever tells you. Graphic designers, same with websites, do not get a graphic designer to design your website. It might look lovely, but you know what? It'll probably sell you fuck all, or it'll sell you way less than it would. Right. I agree. I agree. So don't follow convention. So shock selling, it conjures up, God knows, negative connotations, but it can be as simple as just doing something completely different to what the crowd is. If you're going to get your, get your mailing pieces there, printed. There's a, jeweler, there's a jeweler here in the United States who advertises on the Howard Stern show. I don't know whether you've heard of Howard Stern. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So he his whole thing is, I hate Stephen Singer. 
That's his website. I hate Steven Singer. His whole thing is he's the jeweler who other jewelers hate because he offers so much quality for such little money. Excellent. Brilliant idea. I know he's cleaning up. This guy's got a great angle, great position. Let me come back to a pin I stuck. And the pin I stuck is stage hypnosis. And so I mm-hmm. have found, contrary to what most people think, some of the stage hypnosis guys and gals are really good at therapy, therapeutic mm-hmm. techniques, and really good at influence and persuasion. So let's unpack stage hypnosis since you've done so much of it. How much of doing... How, a lot of people say that's fake, that's not real. How many people who you get up on stage are exhibitionists and are playing along with you? And how many are, or is there a distinction? How many are just zapped into trance, fully suggestible and just doing what you tell them to do? Okay. I know you've asked about stage hypnosis, but I'm going to give you that answer, both about stage hypnosis and also hypnotherapy. Um, so... Here's the thing. Firstly, I categorically state, which is another shitstorm I caused in the uh, early 90s when I started doing training courses to teach other people hypnosis. My first ever one was called There's No Such Thing as Hypnosis. And I categorically still to this day say hypnosis does not exist. Or rather, I then sub-clarify that hypnosis exists only in the minds and perceptions of the believer. The person who believes that it does what would you say hold on pin in that let me push back there have been scientific studies that show when people are in trance their brain waves shift allegedly there's also been scientific studies done to show that those exact same brain waves can be achieved just by getting someone to close their eyes and breathe deeply and regularly which okay. basically means therefore then that we have to equate the possibility that hypnosis is nothing more than closing your eyes okay. and breathing deeply okay which um so, yeah, I mean, there's evidence for and against everything. You have to come to your own conclusions with okay, some stuff because science is bullshit in itself. Science is controlled by who earns the most money and who therefore allows um, or pushes the narrative of what they want to have found and be, be I don't accepted. know. I don't want to get into that debate because I don't want to get that pushback. But let's get into stage hypnosis. Yeah, so stage, it's bullshit. Hypnotherapy is bullshit low as well, in so much as it doesn't exist. It's not what people think it is. So here's what I say, and what my answer is in terms of the way you asked it is, stage hypnosis, there are a couple of types of people who would get up at a stage hypnosis show. There is the individual who believes that hypnosis is something real, something special and entertains the possibility that maybe they might become hypnotized. And then there's the person who frankly couldn't give a shit and just sees it as a perfect opportunity to be able to let their hair down, make a complete arsehole of themselves and have no blame, shame, guilt or regret because they can always turn around and say, the hypnotist made me do it. Yeah. Okay. Which, but, but, even the ones who think hypnosis exists, they may come to convince themselves that they were hypnotized or felt something special. But in truth, we use physical tricks like your hands will be locked, glued, welded, cemented together. Well, if you get them in that position, put high above your head, high enough, okay, it becomes physically impossible to separate yeah. them anyway. It's a yeah. physiological trick. So we use physiological tricks to make the person believe that we said something, gave a suggestion, and it became their physical reality. 
And once we've said some things to them a few times that they experience as a physical reality instantly without realizing that's because physiological tricks have been used, they come to believe it's because they imagined it and therefore they are becoming hypnotized. The moment they go down that garden path, they convince themselves that they've become hypnotized. Um, and if they believe they have, then arguably they have been, because that's all it is, a manipulation of beliefs. Which is why after a hypnosis show, one of two things happens. Well, one of three can happen. Either the person could come off and go, ha ha, I really pulled the wool over the eyes of that hypnotist. He didn't realise I was faking it. And you know what? Personally, I don't give a shit if they do that. I've got paid and I'm in my car on the way home already by then. And the people were entertained anyway. Or they come off stage and they say, I can't remember what I did. Well, you know what? Maybe they've convinced themselves they can't remember, or maybe they've forgotten momentarily in the heat of the moment because of the excitement and the strange environment of the stage lights and an audience clapping and cheering. Or maybe, and I would suggest strongly, that they're bullshitting. And what it is, it's a great way of getting more attention from the crowd they're with who then have to turn around and go, yeah, well, he made you do this, he made you do that. Well, you were bloody fantastic, you were really funny. And it makes them feel worthwhile and it continues their five minutes of fame. Or the final option is they come off and they go, well, I can remember doing that, but I just couldn't stop myself. That's bullshit. They could have stopped themselves, certainly in the stage hypnosis environment, because we've not gone through the nefarious reframe things techniques and there's too many people watching and whatnot for um for them to let themselves go to get disassociated enough but again it draws attention to them and makes them feel worthwhile because the friends end up going well you did this i know you can't remember but you did this and you were really funny well it's the same in hypnotherapy as well there's nothing a hypnotherapist does for a client whether it's helping them overcome a habit addiction fear phobia there's nothing that that individual couldn't have done for themselves if they'd known how to do it, and more importantly, if they got off their ass and admitted to themselves, it's all their fault that they've not got off their ass and done something about it sooner. Because they're walking around with... Hold on, hold on. Go on. Got to push back. Yes, yeah, please do. profoundly traumatized, sexually abused, been in war, and seen uh, their friends with their heads blown off. That's not their fault. My father was in it's World their, War II. It's not their fault that happened, but it's their fault if they don't do something about it, if they choose to go into the victim mentality and not get off their ass and do something about it. Now, there's things they could do for themselves. And genuinely, in this book, Shitnosis, we cover how to deal with post-traumatic stress disorder and complex post-traumatic stress disorder and the offshoots of anxiety, panic, and uh, uh, imposter syndrome and all manner of other ways it can manifest and sprout off in other directions as well we do and the people can wholeheartedly sort things out for themselves so why don't most people even if they were equipped with the tools i'll give you an example of an imaginary person um let's say he's called dave dave is a heroin addict and he wakes up one morning and he goes I really don't want to have to go robbing stuff today to get enough money together to buy some more drugs, to escape from the pains and traumas of the childhood abuse. You know what? I'm giving up the heroin. I'm going to find another way of 
dealing with this and he goes through the cold turkey for the next few days, locks himself in a room, shits in a bucket, all this kind of stuff. And lo and behold, comes out the other side clean and focused on living a better life and then bump, starts to bump into family and friends who go, wow, you're looking great, Dave. You don't, yeah. what have you done? It looks like you're much healthier. And, and Dave goes, well, that knocked it on the head. I'm clean. And whilst the focus there should be on, well done, Dave, excellent, well done, brilliant you, more power to you. What inevitably will happen sooner or later with a family member or a friend is someone will go, well, if it was that fucking easy, why didn't you do it sooner, you dickhead? Or something similar, which will make right. Dave feel bad, which will I start agree. the path to relapse so that by relapsing, they're proving it wasn't that easy Got so it. they can stop feeling bad. Whereas if they come and see a therapist and go through an important seeming ritualistic process, when they leave the office, they're being provided with an environment where they can feel safe yes. and where they're given permission by a perceived yeah. authority figure to change and let yeah. go of all that self-blame, shame, guilt, regret and all that stuff in a way where they also get an invisible kind of shield to walk away with. Because if Dave had gone to a therapist, gone through an important seeming ritualistic process, left, and then bumps into his family member clean, who says, how are you getting on? And Dave says, well, I'm clean now. And the family member goes, well, if it was that simple, why didn't you do it sooner, you idiot? Dave can immediately say instinctively, well, I only recently heard about this therapist who can help people who had issues like I used to have in the past. And then I had to save up the money to be able to afford to go and see them. And now that I've worked with them, I'm delighted to say I'm clean and moving forward. You know, I just wish, I wish. Yeah, I too wish I'd found them sooner. But this is a context where there isn't blame. There isn't an implied blame or shaming of them for not having done it sooner. It, it put it in a context where they can feel good about finally having made the change, which is why in my book, Shit Gnosis, I love it. <laughs> I very what, near what's the, the name front. Of that book? What's the name of the book again? Shit Gnosis, helping <laughs> you get over the shit in your life and get your shit together, incorporating the fuck that love system. It. A shameless promoter like me, no shame. <laughs> so in the in the um in the book, I love you, dude. Right near the end of the first chapter, I have this bit where I've explained to them what I just explained to you about the imaginary Dave guy. And I say, ultimately, you can do this for yourself. But obviously, if you're going to use these techniques for yourself, which ultimately, if you came and saw me one to one, I'd use them. But you can do it yourself and get the same results. But just tell a little white lie. And then I tell them, well, actually, no, because some people might feel bad about lying in any form. So you don't need to white lie. You just need to phrase it right when your family and friends ask how you achieved this. You'll actually be able to say to them that you've interacted with this British uh, hypnotic therapy consultant, Jonathan Royal. And you've gone through interactive therapy processes to get you to where you are now. And you won't be lying because there's QR codes throughout the book that take you to interactive video sessions. So you will interact. So it's semantically, you'll be telling the truth, which gives you that same invisible safety blanket, which is why at the end of the first chapter, I um, finish it by saying, 
If there's still some part of you that needs the permission or approval or assurance of someone else, then please pay attention to the final words and final video of this chapter. You are worthy and deserve happiness. I give you full permission to change. In fact, I encourage you to make those changes right now. You can use me in this book as your excuse for not having made these changes until now. I love it's that. time for you to take positive action. It's time for you to make changes. If there are things you've not been doing that you want to do, then now is the time for you to just do it. If there are things you have not been, sorry, if there are things you have been doing that you no longer wish to be doing any longer, then now is the time for you to just stop it. This short video sums it up perfectly, and it takes them to the Stop It video of the comedy sketch by Bob Newhart. Which... No, I'm not familiar with that sketch. Let me ask you, uh, I'm gonna, I, I want to put a, uh, pull out a pen. I put in something else. It was a thought. Mm -hmm. that, and I don't want to get into technical discussions too much. I have found that NLP has been of great use to me because primarily in coming up with the language patterns that are in this book. Oh, yeah. So, I've been looking you know. at it. It's full of what people would term NLP. But personally, NLP was a term came up by, uh, obviously, by Richard. All the elements, and he openly admits he took bits from here, bits from there. It's just effective communication. It's another name for effective, persuasive communication and influence, which you were already a master at um, as Ross Jeffries. So it's no wonder that this book is pure gold from the marketing perspective, because it's just selling a different idea, isn't it? It's a product and service. Whereas <laughs> arguably with seduction, the product or service or offering that was on sale was you as the person who was out there sarging, as it were. <laughs> uh, wow, we're getting into it. Um, well, now that we are done washing each other's balls in the shower, as my mom would say, Jonathan, I want to thank you for being a fabulous guest. In addition to getting shit gnosis, what other ways can people get in contact with you for your products, services, shows, guest appearances? Give us the best ways. We'll put them down below me, Jonathan, in the links. Um, yeah, there's only uh, there's a few main ones. If it's to learn hypnotherapy, uh, or rather to learn that which people call hypnotherapy, but which is really just manipulation with positive intent to help people think differently, then it's ultimatehypnosiscourse.com. And if um, shipnosis is on Amazon, simple as that. But my main website's magicalguru.com. I love it. Jonathan Royal, thank you for being on the show. Stay on the line with me because we're going to have a conversation after this. I will. Yeah. What can I say before we go? Yeah. One final of thing. Course. You said about controversy before. The best, I got advised to be controversial years ago. The person who advised me to do it, and I followed their advice, was Uri Geller, the world oh, yeah. famous. And he's, this year is 50 years of him first kind of breaking the scene. But, you know, he's a stage magician, a fraud. He's not really doing anything. Maybe so, it is, maybe it isn't. It's not for me to say. Um, although I do exactly the same things in some of my stage acts. Um, th that, but the lessons that people can learn in any business by observing the way that Uri jumps on topical, uh, up-to-date news stories and then twists and guides things to end up ultimately drawing attention to his own websites and products. 
is a masterclass uh, that anyone can apply to their own businesses. That's true. All right. Thank you for joining us on the Influencer's Edge. We'll see you on the next episode. Man, this move is packed with uh, some controversy and uh, uh, amazing value and a little shock, but there you go. All right. We'll catch you on the other side. The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411-321. That's COMPEL to 411-321. And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to 1-909-741-1321. Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Thank you for tuning in to the Influencer's Edge, where you get the latest breakthroughs, cutting-edge insights, tools, and techniques so you can leapfrog over the pack at sales, influence, and persuasion. Remember to visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com to enjoy even more great episodes like this one. We look forward to seeing you again on the Influencers Edge Show.